Hi, this is John. Today on Theocast, Justin and I want to talk to two groups of people this week. First of all, we want to talk to those who are weary and kind of beat down and are struggling to find the assurance that is in Christ, to find rest, to know that they are safe and secure in their union with Christ. And how do we move from that moment? And then there's a second group of people who have found that rest or intrigued by it, but yet they still struggle. Wait a minute, if I'm resting in Christ, why am I not pursuing holiness? And what about sanctification? And it seems like resting in Christ may be off as if, well, I think there's more to it than just that. And so this podcast today is going to be talking about the power of the gospel, not only to save us, but to also motivate us that we might love one another rightly and how the gospel is sufficient. And we don't need anything else but Christ and him crucified to be our ultimate and final motivation for rest and obedience. We hope you enjoy. If you'd like to help support Theocast, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Plus, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join the conversation there. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed pastoral and confessional perspective. We're just going to keep adding things in there as we think about it. Nah, we've only added one. I know. Your host today, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, Justin Perdue. And I am John Moffitt, pastor of Grace Reform Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Justin, it's a special week for us. We're doing two episodes in one Double week. Double dip. That's right. We're trying to get caught up, get ready for the summer, for the break that we might take. Uh, for though for that time of year, Justin, where we get weary and kind of worn out and we need to be refreshed and restored. Huh. Nice segue. Did John. you like that segue? That nice was just segue. for you. <laughs> I, I appreciated it. Hopefully the listener did too. Yeah. The conversation that we're going to have today is a pastoral one. So John and I got on this morning and as is often the case, we start to talk about things that are going on in our lives and in our churches and even the correspondence we get from a number of you who listen to the show. And uh, more times than you might surmise, those things affect what we record on any given day. Absolutely. And yeah, because we're we're human beings and we're pastors and uh, yeah, we're podcasters, I guess we can say, but we interact with the brothers and sisters in our lives. And um, just as a, like, as a preacher, you want to communicate and reflect on God's word in light of the people that you're preaching to. Mm. We want to be able to podcast in a similar way. And so, yeah, it's a pastoral conversation today. The title of the episode is gospel power for the weary. I want to try to set this conversation up because there are going to be several prongs to this. And we hope that the end result of all of it is comfort for you. Mm. And in good ways, we don't mean to sound punchy or snarky in, in this at all, but in good ways for all of us, we hope this conversation helps us to calm down mm. in several significant ways. So for many of you, go not ahead, John, do you that, want to interject? I'm, yeah, not that we do this very often, but today I decided I'm going to do this. Uh, we have uh, little reminders you could put throughout your house. We've got a cup that says rest with Theocast mm-hmm. on the other side. And then we have uh, things like a t-shirt that are going to be coming. We also have this coaster. Uh, oh, here we go. A coaster that says crush and Christ magnet. and calm down. And then we have a magnet and stickers. And anyways, you can go to our website if you want to <laughs> support Theocast and be reminded to trust Christ and calm down. That yeah. was it. That was the the, the most important uh, contr- contribution I had. Thank you for that, John. <laughs> the listeners appreciative. Bet they are. So we're going to talk about a number of things today. And 
these are the things that are in my mind. I'm just going to be very, I don't know, thought download for a moment here. As a pastor and as a host of this show, a lot of us over the last, I don't know, maybe years, maybe months, maybe weeks for some of you have come to grow in our understanding of the sufficiency of Christ and the nature of the gospel. We have become aware of historical theological categories. We've become aware of doctrinal categories that maybe we weren't familiar with a period of time ago. And that's been really good for us because we have come to see that Christ is enough to save even sinners like us and that we really can rest in him. We really have peace in him. And perhaps we knew that before, but we have come to a fresh understanding and a fresh appreciation of the work of Christ in our place and how the ministry of the local church is about the forgiveness of sins. It's about the imputation of the righteousness of Christ and how really Christ is all and the gospel drives everything. And this means a ton for us in terms of how we live our lives. We've come to see these things and we're grateful. And at the same time, we all have very, I'm going to use words that I'm cautious to use, but I'm just going to say them. We have a, a legalistic framework in our minds. We have a legal spirit. We think in terms of merit and escape of punishment and those kinds of things. We also have a, a pietistic wiring where we are introspective. We are very concerned about our transformation of life. We are constantly assessing ourselves as to how we're doing. How's my obedience? How are my affections? How am I performing? How are my disciplines? And we tend to measure progress in the Christian life in those terms. And so given that we've got all this equipment kind of hardwired into us, we struggle at times to really rest. And we struggle at times to think well about the Christian life and to think well about sanctification. And we get concerned. We have these freak out moments like, oh gosh, I feel disoriented. I feel weightless. The question, what do I do now that I don't need to do anything because Christ has done that. Mm. What do I do now? These are things that plague some people. They may be plaguing you as you listen to the show today. And so what we want to talk about in various streams here on this show, we want to talk about the gospel being the power of God for weary saints unto of various things, not only peace with God, but also the gospel is the power of God unto sanctification, That's unto right. transformation of life. Like, yeah, so we're going to talk about the law. We're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about things. And hopefully for all of us, we're going to, like John said this before we recorded, we're going to put down some of the unhelpful things. We're going to put some of these legal categories and pietistic categories. We're going to put these things down. We're going to take a step back. We're going to take a breath. We're going to trust Christ and we're going to calm down. Mm. We're going to keep showing up to church. We're going to keep having conversations and we're going to pursue righteousness and flee from sin. And we're going to do the things that God says in his word are good. And the things that God says in his word are bad. We're going to try to avoid that. And we're going to help each other in that. That's what we're going to do. This is how we should talk. And so let's go, John. Yeah. So in my counseling, I'm probably going to put this into my sermon this week too, uh, there is what's called an if-then in our attitude mm. when we approach sure. our Christian life. If I do these things, then I'll get these results. Or if I do these things or if these things happen in my life, then I'll be satisfied. Mm. And the danger in that is that it's not biblical. 
the only thing that can satisfy us is Christ, and the means by which we find satisfaction is in the gospel. We all love that phrase, and we all uh, say hoorah to that, but the problem is, is that it's hard to actually do that every minute of every day. We we think to ourselves, if I can stop doing this sin, or if I can stop doing this habit, or if this person is no longer in my life, or if this, if I was in a better church, if this, that, whatever, you know, if I study my Bible more, right. if, if or I if I improve this, in this way, or if I grow in this area, right. And what's sad about the ifs is that they're all uh, me-centered. They're all focused in on my capacities or circumstances. And what's uh, most Christians' lives are circumstantial. We Our circumstances drive our joy. They drive our assurance. I mean, I got a message today from someone on Instagram who says, man, I really appreciate your podcast. I struggle deeply with assurance. Man, yeah. that just to reiterate what you're saying, Justin, we get this a lot. And you know, when your assurance is based upon experience or circumstances, well, I have a lot of reasons to question whether I am truly the child of God. Uh, if it's based upon my performance, it's based upon how I feel at the moment, uh, then I should have questions. But uh, the the our salvation is never based upon our capacity. That's pietism. The moment you think God is looking towards your capacity or your abilities to save you or to prove that you are saved, you will be disappointed. So the power of the gospel becomes not only what saves us, it becomes what sanctifies us, and ultimately it becomes Amen. what glorifies us. So Amen. what's hard, Justin, is that what we hear is, ah, oh, the power of the gospel, it saves us, and then sanctification is handed to us. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, wherever we lacked in our sanctification, God will make up in our glorification. It's just, it's, it's a weird... Yeah, that, brother, that's a very good description right. of it's how so, many of us have thought and still struggle with thinking yeah. about, yeah. You know, it's it's very Mormon because the way that the Mormon religion works is that you do all that you can do and whatever you're lacking, grace makes up the rest. And mm-hmm. it's just horrible theology because uh, he who began a good work in you will complete it. This whole thing in you between, God isn't waiting to see how well you do. And then he'll give you some rewards for that and then finish yeah. it up at the end. So it's a really dangerous way of thinking about it. So what what Justin and I are going to do, we have a list of passages that we sure. want to walk through to show you that, one, we are to find hope and rest for the weary soul who finds mm-hmm. themselves struggling, mm-hmm. you know, as— um, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that these tents, you know, the tent that we have now, which is our body, and we're waiting to be clothed fully with the righteousness of Christ in glory. He goes, we we moan and groan in these in these in these tents that we carry around. So how do we go each day in that, and yet still do the requirements that we have upon us as far as loving God and loving yeah. neighbor? Yeah. First Corinthians one thirty. Just this is not a passage that we're going to unpack right now, but just mm-hmm. a verse that I have found that I come back to again and again. It's a very straightforward statement from the Apostle Paul that because of God, we are now in Christ. So there's a lot there. Because of God, we're united to Christ, Hmm. who has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now, that's that's a lot. It's so good. I I mean, that, that Christ in our union with him, right? everything that's his is ours. He has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now, Can the, I fact that Christ, the fact that Christ has become sanctification for us is really, really difficult yeah. for us to wrap our minds around because we struggle 
as human beings wired the way that we are to be able to receive that and process that and then think well about what that means for me and what I go about doing. But John, please interject. Well, just when we say wisdom, Justin, sometimes we think smarts. Yeah. James says this, literally quoting James 3.17, wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. I was going to say, sounds like fruit of the spirit to me. But so when he says he gives to us wisdom from above, James goes, by the way, in case you don't know what that means, if you if you are showing purity of heart and you're showing gentleness and meekness and kindness and open to reason, it's because it was gifted to you by means of the gospel, right? By means of Christ for you. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, just wanted to project that in there. Yeah. So yeah, let's look at some passages, John, and survey, maybe even do some flyovers of entire books of the New Testament, Absolutely. maybe what we end up doing in points. So we'll, we'll do this. We'll start with some scripture. We'll unpack these things. Inevitably, stuff's going to come up as we do that. And then maybe afterward, if there's still time, we can just reflect together as pastors, as Christians, and, and talk to the saints out there about things that they may be wrestling with in their hearts and minds. I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to go Second Peter 1. Oh, you took it. Yeah. Well, you're going to go James. You're <laughs> no, going to go James because you're in James. So yeah, good. I figured that works well. Okay. Yeah. Um, Second Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. We have talked about this passage before, mm. but I don't care that we have. Because mm. I, last night, in God's providence, man, last night in our elders meeting, we opened up to this passage mm. as we were having a conversation about our church and our people and our care for them and our teaching ministry and what we want people to better understand. Mm. So here we go. I'm going to read some things and just comment. And then, John, I'm going to let you comment, and then we'll just roll. Okay. Second Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. His, being God's, divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." so good. Mm. He's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And by all, I trust the apostle means all. (laughs) God has not withheld things from us. He's not stingy. In Christ Jesus, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Can I, I'm sorry, I just gotta, I gotta add life in, which means in Christ, like eternal life. Eternal life and godliness now. Right. And so when you stop and think about that for a moment, you're like, okay, then you're going to have to describe, Peter, what you mean by that. Like, what do you mean by life sure. and godliness? Right. But yeah, it's obvious when he says he's given us the, everything that pertains to life, he's not meaning physical life. He's no. meaning eternal life, That's right. spiritual life. And he's given us everything that pertains to godliness. Well, that does have something to do with how you conduct yourself now. That's right. Right? Because godliness is not something that we're going to be concerned with in the new heavens and the new earth because we will be We righteous. will be righteous. Right? So godliness is something that we pursue now. So God has given us everything that we need for these things now. And he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. Mm. And his promises are irrevocable, right? right. This is rock solid stuff. So that's how the apostle starts. Then he goes on to say these things. This is so good. I'm excited. Verse five, (laughs) for this reason. So because of that, because of what God's done and because of the unshakable nature, the irrevocable nature of his promises, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, Mm. and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, to which we say amen. Yeah, can I just say real quick, that doesn't sound like a trip to the dentist or the the DMV. DMV It doesn't. 
that's like I that that sounds like a right. wonderful life. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound angry. No. It doesn't sound edgy. No. It makes entire sense. That's right. And this is one of those times where, like, as a preacher, you know, you read that, you read those verses aloud, and you're kind of like, "Amen, somebody, right?" right. Or and all God's people said, "That's right, Amen." That's like, good. what else would we do, John? Mm-hmm. Like. Given that God has done this for us, what else would we do other than pursue these good things? And guess what? Because I'm a new creation, because I've been given a new heart, I actually want to. That's now, right. I battle the corruption of my flesh. That's mm-hmm. true. But this is we're going to speak to this later. But mm-hmm. what we want to do in part in the local church and even as preachers is, yes, we want to speak to the corruption of the flesh. With, and we want to do that well with the law and expose the corruption of the flesh. Mm-hmm. But we want to preach to the hearts of people. That's right. You want to preach to the heart of the person that wants to obey God. And now we're going to give you encouragement, exhortation, and power that is Christ for you so that you might go about pursuing these things. That's right. Judge, and I, I want to point out real quick. And then I'm, I'm going to get into verses 8 and 9, but go. Yeah, I don't. I'm setting you up for that. Thank so, you. Um, kind of you. <laughs> you know, we're ham and egg in this thing. Hey, man. One of the things that we try to do in all of our podcasts is point out law gospel for you. Sure. So the gospel, what's great about the gospel is that it's it's done. It's past tense. It cannot be altered, and it's perfect, right? When Jesus Christ mm-hmm. says it is finished, it means what was required was accomplished in the past, and there's nothing to add or take or add or take away from it. It's done. So when he says he has granted to you all things, which yeah. means he is he means the gospel. Sure. Then he turns and says, "Okay, now that and union it, with Christ, which is the good news, right. right? So now that it is complete and it's finished, and you are secured in this relationship with the Father, there's nothing you mm-hmm. can add or take away from it. It is a done deal. He predetermined mm-hmm. that before the world began. Mm-hmm. He says, now to that truth, we're going to add these actions. So you need to understand, it's not that these actions now add something to the relationship. Mm-hmm. They are the result of the They are the outflow. The fruit of it, right? Yes. Not only that, Justin, if you look at every single one of those things, they are horizontal, right? They're for mm-hmm. the benefit of the one standing in front of you, not vertical. They're not to add to the relationship with God. Right. They are they are to take from God the hope that we have and give it to others, right? which leads us to eight and nine. Amen. All right, verse eight. So all those things that we just talked about, the the virtue, the knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love, all that, right? Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. That's a straightforward, good statement. I don't think that's hard to understand. Which makes if these sense, things, right? It's right. If, if these things are yours and they're increasing, you're going to be fruitful and you're going to be effective mm. for the cause of Christ. And you're going to be fruitful and you're going to be effective in your relationships with your neighbor. Not securing right? assurance. No, that's but you're, not what you're, that go, means. you're going to bear fruit. That's right. You're going to be effective. If these qualities are yours and they're increasing, you will bear fruit to which we say, yes, mm-hmm. of course you would. Varying. Now, here's the kicker. Verse nine. This is the mic drop piece that's right. for our purposes today. For whoever lacks these qualities, tell us, Peter, please mm-hmm. tell us what's the issue. What's underneath the, per- what the, what's underneath it? If I lack these qualities, what's the cause of that? Mm-hmm. There, he says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Oh, so good. 
What's the problem? It's that you don't understand the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's that you have forgotten the gospel. You have not understood, you have not received all that Christ is for you, right? You're not looking to him in these ways and you're looking to other stuff. You're nearsighted, right? You're blind, he says. And you're looking at all this other stuff, which would absolutely be you and your efforts and all these things and temporal things and all these concerns that we just get mired in. You're looking to all this and you have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your former sins. Mm. You have not understood the gospel and Christ for you. That's the issue. So the takeaway there is let's hammer the gospel. Let's preach Christ so that we might actually have the ability and the power and the motivation, fill in the blank to pursue these good things. Mm. I'm going to let you hammer that in a second, John. I just want to finish with these last couple of verses. Verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Mm. Again, that's his conclusion. Because of the gospel, because of what God has done, be diligent, to which we say again, amen. Amen. Right? If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. So a, a book in the Bible that one may not believe when I say this that is what I call a gospel-motivated gospel power for the weary. Say it to him, John. Is James. Yes. It, it's so good. Uh, we use James to beat people over the head to obey, but we miss the heart of James. James was such a great pastor, uh, wise pastor who <laughs> helped with the council in Jerusalem. And, you know, James begins his letter, and we learn that James is writing to Christians who have scattered because of religious and physical persecution. They've left Jerusalem, and he opens his letter with encouragement. He says, look, you know, if you're suffering trial, the kind that kind of sucks the life out of you, Mm. find hope because God will create steadfastness in you by his power, no matter what it is that you experience. So James goes through these, uh, these reciprocal uh, natures, and he's doing the same thing Peter does. He starts mm-hmm. with grant, he reminding them of the sovereignty of God in their life, then reminding them how the fruit of their life should reflect that, and then calling them back to the gospel when they forget it. And he just does this in every chapter. I'll give an example mm-hmm. of this. So um, right after he deals with, um, this is in chapter one, he's dealing with the issue of them uh, giving into the own temptation in the midst of these trials. And right mm-hmm. after that, he says this, John, James 1, 17, every good and every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father mm-hmm. of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. <laughs> the point mm-hmm. of it is J- the gifts that we receive from the father are not based upon our circumstances, whether we are doing good or bad. How do we know this? Because in verse 18, it says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Mm-hmm. So James is already doing exactly what Peter just did. This mm-hmm. is by God's design, does bind power. We all know about chapter two, you know, faith without works, this whole issue. And he's trying to explain to them that if they're not willing to show great, I mean, he says, do not hold to the faith and partiality at the same time. 
And so he he's rebuking them mm-hmm. for how they're treating one another. But then I love this when he he's talking to them about the the nature of their obedience and what motivates them in their mm-hmm. obedience. And he says this, he says, so speak and so act as what verse one, are you in now, John? Uh, chapter two, verse 12, it says this, so speak mm-hmm. and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Well, what does he mean by that? It's those who have been liberated by the law, those who are no longer going to be condemned for the disobedience to the law. You mean they've been they've been liberated from the law by Christ. That's right. That's what you mean. Yeah. Right. So he's saying you're going to speak and act as one, aka, who lives under the realities of the Amen. gospel, right? Because we are we are now under grace, not law, to use the language of Paul in Romans six. You're now going to live a certain way. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And one other section, uh, James, that James deals with later on in chapter four, he's dealing with how their their passions are at war with one another. They're they're quarreling with one another, and then he yells at them, literally with an exclamation point. He says, "You adulterous people! Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God?" He's he's dealing with people, a group of churches that are being. Um, ineffective and unfruitful, as Peter says, right? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes an enemy with God. This is this is so important because James is using very strong language to show, like, your life is not in tune with what's going on. And then he says this in verse 5, or do you suppose is no purpose that he says in the scriptures, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell within you? Verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. <laughs> what is he going to use? Justin, he's going to use the gospel to bring them back in. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble meaning mm-hmm. those who come before God and said, I have no righteousness. I have nothing. I have nothing. Verse eight, draw near to God yeah. and he will draw near to you. The point of that, Justin, is this. In the midst of their sin and disobedience, God isn't has his arms crossed saying, mm-hmm. well, you better figure this out and clean up. He says, as it says in Hebrews 4, right? I was getting ready to say, that you can't read that without thinking Hebrews 4. That's right. We yeah. can draw In the time of need, we draw near to him, and mm-hmm. he draws near to us. As the prodigal son's coming home, understanding, yeah. I have nothing, and the father comes out and clothes them. Yeah, bro, a brief interjection just is in my own heart as a man and in conversations I've had with some friends here. Lately, we've been talking about these things, mm-hmm. just our own, you know, the guilt, the shame, the fear that we carry. We're always, I think deep down, we know that we're not doing well as well as we should. And so there's this apprehension and this sense of unworthiness in approaching our father, mm-hmm. you know, that can haunt us all, I think. And just been trying to think in my own life and pray in these ways and, and talk with brothers and sisters in Christ about these things that. No, we really can approach the throne of God in boldness, with confidence, not being afraid because of Christ. And our Father delights in the fact that we would do that. Mm. And I know I've, I've been praying a lot personally, just that, uh, you know, it's like, Father, as I come to you, you know, just remind me of your love for me and, and all these things and of what Christ accomplished and, and draw near to me today. I mean, as I am, and I don't know, it's just a, it's a thing that I've been trying to think through because I know that for myself, I often feel unworthy to enter his presence when I'm, when my mind is mired in me and how I'm doing in ways I've failed. So, so just I think these are things just to constantly remind ourselves yeah. of. Yeah. So just to capstone this, James clearly wants the believer to obey, but he yes. wants them to do it out of motivation for what they have received. 
right? It's always like, just what he says in James 2, 14, you, you know, or James 2, 1, like you can't hold the faith and partiality at the same time. Meaning right. the faith of the hope of the Christ that you've received by grace alone, yes. through faith alone, and Christ alone, right? So, but mm -hmm. the obedience, you'll notice that he's talking about, this is going back to, um, I'll, this is my last comment I'll make. He says in James chapter one, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it to you without reproach, generously mm -hmm. without reproach, which I already read, uh, uh, James 3.17 that says wisdom from above is purity, meekness, gentleness, patience, open to reason. So the point of it is, is that our obedience is not an affirmation of our faith. It's not to gain assurance. It's not to, to do something, in, in other words, to add to the relationship that we have with the Father, mm -hmm. but it is a reflection of the relationship that we have with the Father. First John, right? We love because he first loved us. No, amen. I know that we're Time is quickly escaping us. I'm happy to refer in a general sense to another letter mm -hmm. in the New Testament, this time from the Apostle Paul. Mm. I'm going to go to Colossians, John, and just yeah. think about this for a moment. Admittedly, we've been uh, preaching a, a brief series of sermons through Colossians 1. Uh, one of our other pastors named McKenzie has preached the majority of those, but um, that, that means it's on my mind. And mm. in studying Colossians and in reading the entire letter to try to preach the first sermon from Colossians 1, 1 to 14 a few weeks ago, I was struck by this as I studied myself, and then as I started to read other people's takes on Colossians, uh, found comfort in the fact that Calvin was seeing things that, that I was struck by, and so I'm just going to articulate it this way. What is it that the Apostle Paul sets out to do in the letter to the Colossians? There's some stuff going on in the church. There's some weird teaching going on. There's some aberrant practice going on. <laughs> You've got an, a number of different things, you know, being being taught. You've got asceticism, you know, this this lifestyle of radical deprivation as a way of godliness. You've got people advocating the the observance of the Old Testament law as a way of godliness and a way of entering into this higher spiritual plane. You've got a number of different things going on, and obviously, there's concerns about the the person of Jesus Christ, his humanity, his deity in particular, and and what it is that he accomplished. All these things are going on. So the apostle is going to give these saints the one thing that he knows will protect them from false teaching and aberrant practice. And what is that? It's a clear vision of the person and work of Christ. That's Good. very clear. The, the portion there in Colossians 1 that's so beautiful that we all kind of remember that's about Christ and his work going into Colossians 2. It's about Christ and his work. Why does Paul hammer that? Because he knows that's what these people need in order to protect them and drive them and sustain them and nourish them. So he gives them Christ. And he uses a lot of beautiful language, not only about Christ and his power and what he did, but even makes it very clear. It's like verse, one, you know, verse 28 of chapter 1, him we proclaim. You know? and, and then we, we exhort and we admonish and we all these things. And I think in that context, you know, he's... He's warning and he's exhorting, he's admonishing, like, don't, don't look to these other things. That's look right. to Christ. Then he does pivot to how the saints are to live in the last couple of chapters. And it's driven by, clearly, it's driven by a, an appropriate understanding of Christ, who he is and what he did. In other words, it's driven by the gospel. Mm. You know, the Christian life is driven by the gospel. So when you hear you know, what, what we're talking about, this is what you should think. The gospel drives my Christian life That's here. Right. Union with Christ is the Christian life. Mm. And that is the source. Christ for us is the source of the power 
that would actually transform and change our lives. I'll just briefly say this, John, and I'll turn it back over to you. Mm. When we talk about the law and we talk about the gospel when it comes to sanctification, it's important that we understand the following. The law, just like it can't give life, it can only kill. The law cannot change us. It can only guide us in our sanctification. So where does the power come from? The power comes from Christ in union with him, but in particular in our daily ongoing experience, weekly ongoing experience, the power for sanctification comes through the preaching of Christ, the administration of the sacraments, the ordinary means of grace in the context of the gathered church, and life in the fellowship of the saints. Mm. That's where the power comes from. It's from Christ by his spirit working in us, and he uses these means that he's given us to continue to give us what we need. And it's so liberating and so helpful to think in these terms that God is going to provide the power, and now what I'm going to do is live life in a local church where these things are being practiced, you know, where these ordinary means are being administered. We're going to keep trusting Christ. We're going to look to his word. His law is going to guide us, but he is going to change us. And we can take heart knowing that God has said he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And now I can just live today in freedom, not to be lazy, not to be licentious, but I can live in freedom today to do good things that God has told me in his word to do. And I can trust the Lord that I am not ultimately at the wheel, you know, making certain that my sanctification becomes a reality, but he's going to do this in me That's right. as I live in freedom under righteousness. You know, That's so good. Yeah. It's a, it's a total different if then, if Christ has completely, if Christ came, if Christ lived, if Christ died and Christ rose again, and if Christ Amen. sits at the right hand of the father, Amen. then I Amen. am safe. Amen. And then I have every reason to love my neighbor as Christ has loved me. And I can, and I can do this in freedom and confidence. That's right. Amen. You know? So Paul says that uh, another way, I'll re- just read this quickly. This is in Philippians chapter two. Mm-hmm. And then Justin, we'll look at Ephesians four on a high level. And then, sure. you know, we'll probably have to transition over. But he says this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Justin, that is one powerful gospel motivation. So the, the thing is, if you're lacking Look this to desire Christ, like to Hebrews 12. That's right. If you're lacking the desire to love one another, or you're struggling against the flesh, like, man, I just don't have the energy to love other people. The the response is not to try harder. The the, the if it is to go back and say, man, I think my heart is is got a different if. It, it hey. has a different if then. The response is not to try harder. The, the response is also not to feel worse. That's right. The re, I mean, seriously, I, should we lament our sin? Yes. But what's the response? What do I need to do? I need to look unto Christ that I might then go love. Right. Well, even Hebrews right, then, says, consider how to yeah. build one another up daily. And For I don't sure. think build up with law. I think he means no. build up with Christ. Consider how to build one another up daily that you aren't hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to Rome, uh, Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher exactly. of our faith. I think that's what we're doing. We're pointing each other to Christ. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, let's yeah, do yeah. a quick hot flyover. I think Ephesians 4 might be kind of the capstone of, you know, Second Peter 1 and Ephesians 4. You know, what do you have in the first three chapters of Ephesians? It's like... Huge it's, gospel. It's grace. It's gospel. It's That's union right. with Christ. It's it's you were alienated. You were dead, but now God has done this. He's made you alive in Christ. That's right. Verse three, yeah. chapter four, verse three, right? Uh, or, or verse two. He says, "Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." Right. right. We have been called by grace. 
We've been called through God's sovereign choice. He did not look at us and say, you've performed well. Now here is your gift. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is chapter two. He made you alive. He put his spirit in you. He predestined before the world began that he would cause you to walk in these, in these good works. And then what does Paul say? Hey, look, I'm a slave of Christ. I have to write these things because they are true. Walk in a manner that is worthy of this amazing gospel that you have received. Mm -hmm. And you know what's interesting? He says, be gentle, be kind, and seek unity. So what's interesting is that when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, it's easy to believe that because Mm -hmm. your eternity doesn't weigh in the balance. And what he's saying is imperfectly and struggling, resting on the sufficiency of the gospel for you, love one another. That's the burden you now carry. No, amen. So along these lines, I want to make a pastoral comment or two. We've outlined some things just in reading passages from the New Testament about love and humility and considering others as more significant than yourself and how you're to live with other people, in particular, how you're to live with your brothers and sisters. And so much of the exhortations, the imperatives in the New Testament are of that nature. Mm -hmm. Here's how you're to live together now as the redeemed people of God. My encouragement to all of us as we encounter these new theological categories and as we are learning what it is to rest and we have these moments of weightlessness and disorientation, you know, it's, it's like in some, in one sense, it's kind of like free falling, you know, you jump out of the airplane. I've never done it, but I mean, this is, I'm told that you have these, this feeling of kind of like weightlessness and disorientation. You know, it's like, okay, what do I do now? What do I do now that I don't have to do anything for righteousness? It's like, well, consider some of the things that we've just outlined. Love, humility, patience, bear with one another, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, these things, do these things for the brothers and sisters around you. Again, like I said, there are very simple things in the scripture. God says these things are good. God says these things are bad. If God says it's good, pursue it. If he says it's bad, flee from it. You know, do all of that and realize that we're going to do this together. We're going to do this in the power of Christ because of the fact that we've been united to Christ and his spirit is now at work in us. We can take great comfort and find hope in the fact that the one who calls us is faithful. He'll sanctify us. He'll surely do it, you know? And so we can calm down about sanctification and we can calm down about our Christian lives. And, and when we have those weightless moments and when we have these, these, these moments where the concerns pop up and it's like, Oh my gosh, what about holiness? Hmm. You know, Oh my gosh, what about, you know, righteousness and obedience. It's like, no, we should pursue those things according to the scriptures, but we're pursuing them in freedom and we're pursuing them in the power of Christ and the gospel. And what we need to be given is guidance from the scriptures, guidance from the law as to what good works even really are. And then we need to be given power Mm -hmm. so that we might go about doing them. And that Mm -hmm. power comes from the gospel. That power comes from Christ which is why we come to church on Sundays to receive Jesus in the word and in the table. We come to sing of him. We come to pray in his name. We come to fellowship with each other. Mm -hmm. And then even as we live our lives, you know, we're, we're doing that in the fellowship of the saints. And this is what we do. And we do this for the rest of our days until we die or Christ returns and all is well. Yeah. Just to add to that. And as we go into the next podcast, you know, to point back to James when he says, so speak and so act as those who live under the law of liberty, as those who are free. Or as Paul said in Philippians 2, if you've been comforted and you've been strengthened by the gospel, love one another. The motivation, Amen, the motivation for our obedience is always love, joy, 
and freedom in Christ. It's always. And if you don't know that, or if you haven't understood that, then keep keep up with us. We'll keep showing you from all of Scripture that Christ is sufficient and your good works are for his glory and not for your salvation. So that that being said, we have much more to say. We didn't really get to some of the things that we wanted to say as far as some of the confusion that happens in preaching and how the law and pietism, if you know what that word is, then you can join us for the next conversation. You can also download our free ebook where we talk about that as well. Uh, But Justin and I do another podcast every week. We really enjoy it. It's kind of like our family time for those who have partnered with our ministry to support us. Uh, We have an app that we all uh, hop on. There's all kinds of fun conversations happening over there. We have a private podcast feed that you can join. Uh, There's just a fun community that's happening over there. It's called Semper Reformanda. That means all is reforming. You can go to our website to learn more about that. We're going to continue our conversation over there. And we often um, continue the conversation. We also answer questions that come up. It's a lot of good, fun conversations. And uh, if you're not able to join us, we'll see you next time. Thank you.